With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. The Bears have targeted Ryan Poles, the chief executive, this according to me, Ian, uh, and Tom, uh, as their next general manager and are working toward a deal to make him the GM before he gets on a plane and goes to Minnesota to interview with the Vikings. So the 36-year-old Ryan Poles, who once signed with the Bears uh, as an undrafted free agent, is now going to be the general manager of the Bears, one Ryan taking over for another. It's a three-headed scoop. It was a three-headed scoop. Mike Garofolo said, according to me and Tom and Ian, Hell yeah! So are they like are are they just on a group text thread with all their sources? Just me, Mackie, and Judd, and Boone. I know, right? Yeah, we need we should the four of us should should try and break one story together and put it out there. (laughs) Don't don't, (laughs) Mackie. Alex, don't. why don't you start? A couple options. Don't, don't, dude. What do you got? Don't be okay, that guy. Okay, Alex, bro. why don't you tell the story? <laughs> All right, this is Purple Daily, Daily Vikings Entertainment, Therapy, Speculation, Mackie Judd, Executive Producer Declan, who's going to fire someone's ass later in the show. We got Booney in here, Alex Boone, 10-plus year NFL vet, played in the Super Bowl, played for the Vikings, and... Uh, all of these shenanigans presented by Surly Brewing Company and TCL TVs. Great for championship weekend watching. They deliver the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. And boys, it's not often we have breaking news right away on Purple Daily. Mm. The Minnesota Vikings likely have a new general manager as of right now. In fact, by the time a lot of you listen to this and or watch this, it might be even more official, but uh, as you heard off the top there, the Chicago Bears are going to hire Ryan Poles as their next general manager. They're going to hire him from the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he was one of two Vikings GM finalist candidates, and the other one is in town right now in the Twin Cities with his finalist interview, Quezzi Adolfo Mensa, the vice president of football operations for the Browns. Multiple reports coming out that... Uh, unless something goes horribly wrong in the in-person interviews. I mean, maybe he just gets weird. I don't know. Maybe it, he does. It happens. <laughs> kind of like but, it. But uh, sounds like it's it's his uh, his plane to land here. Here's the resume, and we'll see if Alex Boone remembers passing him in the hallway in San Francisco. Oh, boy. Prior to joining the NFL in 2013, Adolfo Mensa worked as an associate portfolio manager at Taylor Woods Capital and was the vice president and executive director at another hedge fund company, as a commodities trader, mm. 
Then he went to the NFL from Wall Street to the NFL. 2013 through 19, he was with the San Francisco 49ers. He was co-workers with Alex Boone for a few years. As the manager and then director of football research and development, in the last two years, he has been the Browns' vice president of football operations. He graduated from Princeton, and then he went on to receive a master's degree in economics from Stanford. He is certainly smarter than I am. Uh, Boone, do you remember passing Quezzi Adolfo Mensa in the hallways in San Francisco? I'm like 99% sure I remember this dude. I'm like 99% sure. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. I do. But <laughs> just going to be honest with you, man. Does that even sound like a portfolio of a GM you want? Uh, for, what, me, what, yeah. what, for me, yes. What, I'm all, I'm Wall all, Street, I'm all about Wall Street. I'm all about Stanford. <laughs> I'm all about Stanford. it. I don't know. It sounds very analytic-y. Let's see. Your favorite. I mean, I'm not a fan of that. You know me. I'm an old school guy, man. I want it done in the back of a bar. What, tell me about this kid. Tell me everything you want to know. I don't want to know what his GPA was. I don't want to know what awards he got in school. I don't know. It's just getting, it's getting to be a lot, man. And I like, I like what the Bears are doing because I think they're going to take Pope, and I think they're going to go for Bianami at the same time. They're going to be like two guys from the same train of thought. They've clearly worked together. They know each other. As long as the two of them say, like, yeah, we're good, I, I bet you that'll be the next. He, you know who's in the building in Chicago, though, right now? Jim Caldwell Yo, is in, is in the building right now. And they like Dan Quinn, too, who might be going to the Broncos. Hmm. Yeah, Bianami's had one interview so far. But I would assume that Ryan Poles is going to interview Eric Bianami. And if he doesn't, then it's sort of, sort of telling. Oh, that's very telling then. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, I think the one thing is everyone's waiting for these pieces. The biggest pieces is the GM and everyone, because it's the business side of it. And that's why everyone's going to Wall Street. And I joke when I say that, but it's true. It's it's like this business is taking on a whole nother business, you know, and it's not like these football guys that run it anymore. It's these guys that understand money, that know how it works. And at the same time, know what the value of somebody is. And I think that they're not afraid to go out there and say, hey, man, listen, we're just not on the same page. And this is just how it is. I mean, when you work on Wall Street, that's kind of how your job is. You're just you're used to arguments and you're used to being combative with people and saying, Hey, listen, this is just how it is. I don't know what to tell you. And I think that it's, it's the new wave. So what's the, um, the, cause it seems like the mantra from the Wilfs right now is, is inclusion collaboration, which is of course, probably the polar opposite of what they, they had with Mike and to a certain degree, Alex with Rick. Um, but explain this. So if you're going to have that, especially in football, what does that mean? Because at some point in time, it's great to get opinions, but somebody has to make a decision. And and I think it can cross a line of it's a good idea to get a lot of, of people in a room to talk about things. But there does need to be the person who's like, OK, now we're done and here's what we're going to do. How important does that be- become when you're trying to use words like like inclusion and collaboration? Oh, it's huge. And I think that the person should have always been the owner. I feel, I feel like that because you're starting to see now how sometimes when the owner's not as involved as they should be, all of a sudden you're seeing the team kind of split and these rifts are starting to happen. And it's like this, this alpha male political, oh, who's in charge of the team and who's reporting back and what's being said and whose narrative is it and whose point of view is it? You know what I'm saying? Instead of it just being the owner should be the one that's in these rooms. And who do you listen to? You listen to people you trust. You listen to people who have been around you that win, that understand the game, and that aren't trying to throw so many new – like there's so many people right now in the NFL that are trying these new offenses and they're trying to do all these cool things. And you're like, dude, you guys are just not 
not there yet. And you know you're not. You should be starting from a more basic fundamental standpoint. I give you the best point is like the Jaguars. Like there were times this year where they were asking that rookie to do things that he just could not do. Seven-step drops. You're like, dude, these tackles are not equipped to do three-step drops. What are you doing? And you start to look around, and all of a sudden there's so much dysfunction between the GM and the head coach, and then the head coach goes wacko, and they kind of follow him for a little bit down this road. Like you look at that, and you wonder how long, how far back it set that team. Right. Because now all of a sudden you got to go and you got to get a new head coach. You got to get a new OC. You got to go out and find all these news. That's in a whole new offense that this rookie who did not have a great year and, by the way, is never used to losing, just lost a whole bunch of games. Like, what does that do for his psyche? These are the things that come back and people don't ever think about. And you think about, like, how could this have been avoided? It could have been avoided by maybe not hiring a college coach that had no business being in the NFL. It maybe could have also been stopped if you had not hired a GM who has no business being a GM in this NFL. That's why I'm saying the owners need to start stepping up more and saying hey listen you're right we're not as involved as we should be football's a pretty stupid game it's not hard to figure out i can figure out what we have on our team here and if what you're saying doesn't mesh with what i think our team is maybe you don't belong here maybe these guys should start stepping in more and saying hey listen this is how it has to be we have to start pushing for either guys like this we're looking for more defensive guys we're looking it's like sometimes you just get these teams and they're a mishmash of things and you look at the gm and you're like what is he doing does he even know how to construct a football team at this point yeah a few other things, by the way, on Adolfo Menza here, just going through some of the reaction here. So uh, our, our coworker, Doogie, who's been doing some insiding, he talked to somebody who has worked, let's just say, very closely with Adolfo Menza inside that Browns building. Mm-hmm. And that person said he is a brilliant, well-rounded leader with a great sense of humor. I actually love that. Like, this, mm-hmm. like the Vikings have just felt like Mike Zimmer wasn't funny. You know, just, <laughs> just like a dark cloud over the area. It's just somebody who can crack a joke once in a while. Uh, and fantastic people skills. Can't you people see that? I'm a people person. Uh, he's a natural collaborator that will build a culture of inclusivity and bring out the best in every perspective in terms of decision-making. The organization will be in great hands if he is the hire. Albert Breer reporting, if the Vikings do finalize the hire, uh, it's important to note that Adolfo Mensa has not packaged himself with a coaching candidate yet in interviews. I think he'll be open-minded, but hard not to connect him with 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans. Those guys worked together when they were in San Francisco. Um, you probably faced D'Amico Ryans as a player, but you were, you guys were ships passing in the night. He came to San Francisco a year after you left. Yeah, no, D'Amico's a great dude, and I love what he's doing, especially this last game against the Packers. Like, when you go back and look at that game, it's impressive to think that the first drive was so simple and then all of a sudden the rest of the game was haywire. And it was a lot of what D'Amico was trying to do. But I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I worry about a guy who does not have enough experience underneath him. These games are won and lost in timeout situations, how you play two-minute situations, how well a four-minute situation is run. I see it week in and week out. You guys see it too. How many of these teams couldn't close out on a four-minute situation this last weekend? Something as simple as that. People go back like that's what you're looking at. Why didn't they win? Because they didn't win four minutes. They had the ball with four minutes left. They could have won the game, but they decided not to. Why? Because they didn't try hard enough. Because the offensive players weren't out there doing enough. Because the offensive coach wasn't saying, hey, listen, let's stop becoming this team that runs our head into a wall and let's be get a little creative and make this defense think a little bit in four minutes. It doesn't have to be your prototypical let's run power. Like there was a game. We played the Saints. That's who it was. Played the Saints in the Dome, and we had a four-minute situation. We ran 97 power and 96 power 13 times in a row. But that's old school. Can't do that anymore because people eventually figure it out and they start blitzing backside or they'll blitz through the A-gaps. Like This was back when you could do things like that, and it was fun. But now you see that, and the teams try to do this, and it doesn't work. And all of a sudden, they're punting. 
And all of a sudden, everyone's like, well, what went wrong? A simple thing like that. Why? Because the coordinators don't understand, hey, listen, sometimes you've got to know your situations. You look at Kellen Moore, what happened in the Cowboys. I'm still riding on that situation that Mike McCarthy should be fired for what happened there. Like, the more we look about it, and the more you look at the fact that, who was that? Kansas City scored in 13 seconds? Yeah, that. <laughs> they scored. 13 seconds. These guys got 10 yards on a draw. And people are looking at me like, I'm crazy. I'm not the one setting the bar here. Kansas City just set the bar. They just said, hey, it only takes 13 seconds to score a touchdown, guys. Sorry, I hate to tell you. You don't have to get a first down in that amount of time. That's just the realistic truth. And you look at that, and a guy like Eric Bieniemy doesn't have a lot of offers around him, which is even more crazy to me because I'm looking at this like this guy has been through more situations. He could probably think of the most creative things and has the most amazing play designs. And yet everyone looks at this and is like, well, he doesn't really do any. I mean, it's all Andy Reid. Yeah, but he's there. He's part of this focal point. He's working with a guy named Patrick Mahomes, who probably has the most pressure on him in the world. And he goes in day in and day out, and they never look like they're off symmetry ever, which is so awesome for me. So if Adolfa Mensa Booney is going to be the guy, um, do you think it's a good idea then to uh, to get a young coach to pair with him, or does it make more sense to try to get a guy who has previous head coaching experience and and can bring a a uh, bring a past to the job that Adolfa Mensa is not going to have. Well, yeah, I think that'd be great to have a yin to your yang while you're this is your first time in a huge role like this. It would be great to have a coordinator that has experience working with a ton of players or number one has a lot of respect from players coming in right away. Why? Because he's been a coordinator for a long time or he's worked in a high powered offense or defense. It's not like, oh, he the last two years he's been a coordinator. Man, my gosh, they've been have a great defense like. It's two years. You know how much happens in the first training camp of your head coaching career? There's so many decisions you have to make. Like I feel like if you're moving forward with this and you're saying, hey, we're going to go with Mensa as our, as our GM, that's great. Here's a young guy who's clearly brilliant at what he does. People have a high regard for him. You should go out and find somebody that has great qualities to mirror that, right, on the football side of it. Of Hey, listen, this guy's been around the block. He understands the ins and the outs of the game. He's not going to go out there and selfishly call a draw to, to lose the game for us. Like these are things that play a huge pivotal role in these games now, especially because you're looking at the difference between a lot of these teams now comes down to the tiniest. Look at all four of those games. It came down to a field goal. You don't want to have inexperience. I mean, I'll give you the best example. Like I'm kind of even looking at the Packers going, Mike, Matt LaFleur, sorry, Matt LaFleur should kind of be upset at himself because he's known all year that his special teams suck. This isn't like the first time it came back around and people were like, what just happened here? That's a rookie mistake to not address a special teams issue. Like the great coaches that I were around were always like, dude, I, I can't stand the kickers either. I get it. They make a lot of money doing nothing. But at the same time, they are so important for us because look how many of them just won the game for their teams and are moving on. It's like, dude, you hate these guys all year, and I don't know why. It's because they're just practicing their golf swing all day, or they just laugh at everything that's not even funny, and you're like, dude, it wasn't even funny. Stop laughing. And they're, just, they're never hurt. I don't know what it is, but they are so crucial. And the coaches that I was around that really respected them got the most out of those guys. Yeah, as opposed to, not to keep bringing this back to Mike Zimmer, but like, you know, Daniel <laughs> Daniel Carlson is one of the best kickers in the NFL. Mike Zimmer saw him have one bad game against the Pat. He's a fifth-round draft pick. One bad game, he's like, get this clown off my team. I don't want to make eye contact with him. Um, so, and I, yeah, I know that you guys, that, you know, like you guys worked in the same organization, but like he was doing research in the front office. So, uh, but I would, I, my question to you would be, you know, with, with his time in San Francisco and he was, he was part of the back end of 
your guys' success in like 2013 when you guys went, you know, that was the year after the Super Bowl. But yeah. if there's anything he can take from the culture that you remember in San Francisco from when you guys were at your best as a 12-win team, what would you want him to take and apply to the Vikings? Probably to let the leaders lead. I mean, that was the biggest thing. It was a lot of the times when we were having success, people just kind of got out of our way, and it was just a self-run organization. And it was kind of like, listen, we have to impose our own justice and discipline on players, and we have to get at them when we need to get them. Because I think the minute it goes upstairs, it becomes like trench warfare. And everybody starts looking over their back, kind of like, oh, boy. No, upstairs knows something's going on and then now they see a lot more of them they're walking around they're asking a lot more questions instead of that you're like listen those those guys that were around Harbaugh they understood that he was like let these guys just do them if you let them do them and you have enough good guys in that locker room they will figure themselves out the good guys will outweigh all the bad and eventually they're going to start slamming people around and being like we got to go and then they I'm not kidding when I say some of the people that were out there like Patrick Willis, Takeo Spikes, Justin Smith Randy Moss. I mean, when you get out of those guys' way, so many people look up to them more as leaders because they they see that the team is letting them speak. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't always need the GM to come in here and crack down on us. Maybe Randy comes in and throws a few Skittles at some guys and starts yelling, you know, and all of a sudden you're like, hey, man, that's, that's Randy Moss. I don't really want to piss him off anymore because it's one of those guys that you're like, dude, if he hits me, I don't know if anyone's going to stop him. Like he could just go off and start beating the living hell out of me right now. And then all of a sudden you see guys start to respond well to that, and they see Randy as more of a leader, and then all of a sudden they take on more of a leadership role. And then all of a sudden the train just starts rolling and everything starts handling itself. It's when you let those guys upstairs start to come down and impose their own discipline that you kind of feel like you're being attacked from the outside. You know, like, dude, I'm in here grinding all day, and all you do is come in here and yell at me. Instead of letting it be the guy who's out here with me grinding, maybe you're talking to him on the side like, hey, I need you to push so-and-so a little bit more. I need you to get more out of him. And all of a sudden, you feel like it's a teammate bringing you up, saying, hey, man, let's get, I can get more out of you. You know, it's, it's the way they do it, and it was, they, they did a great job of it, and they had great leaders. All right, I got a crazy, crazy thought. I love it. I- I saw this reckless speculation. It's completely reckless. Make it reckless speculation. So I thought until today that the polls would probably get the Vikings job, and certainly, if nothing else, would go through with his uh, scheduled interview with the team on Wednesday. That's clearly not going to happen. I believe it was yesterday, Alex. I saw a tweet that was very sort of suspicious, and I don't know where it came from, but now it might make a little bit more sense. It basically said. Indications are that Jim Harbaugh is going back to Michigan, but don't forget about the Vikings at this point. Like, keep the Vikings in mind. Wow. Is there any chance? And I know that, that Jim. That's, that's a connection. And, and I know that Jim definitely had a falling out with some people in the Niners organization, including your favorite GM of all time, Trent Falke. <laughs> but does it make some sense that the bang for the buck here would not be the GM? It would be the fact that the GM in some way, shape and form, obviously is tied to Jim Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh might dude. make more sense now. Reckless and you played for him and loved him. Dude, dude. I mean, I'm throwing yes. it out there. This is the most yes. speculation I've ever heard. <laughs> I, mean, but, I mean, this tweet, this tweet said, don't forget about Jim Harbaugh. To the Do you know who, t- who tweeted it? It was this is like some from, random you guy. Gotta, yeah, you guys. It was some guy at like gas station was bored. Was yeah. just it was somebody. Out name. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. At the time, I dismissed it as nonsense, and now I'm like, it's an interesting tie-in. I'm gonna tweet it too. I'm gonna throw it out there right now. I'm gonna say I'm hearing oh, whispers. Whispers. Should I say whispers. Whispers. <laughs> but Booney, you played for this guy. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think he's got a shelf life, but during the course of that of that shelf life, he certainly in San Francisco had some great success. That's oh, all yeah. I'm saying. For sure. No, Jim's great. I'm telling you, you guys would love him. He, well, no, you guys wouldn't. You'd hate him because he just loves messing with the media. <laughs> I, we're good with it. Scribes and it. pundits. You guys would have so much bulletin report <laughs> material. It's, it's amazing. Just the way that. you text people, it's so thought out. When he like goes after people, you're like, dude, you've spent too many nights thinking about this. No, no, I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking you if, if it would make some sense and, and your thoughts on what type of, of uh, immediate impact you might have here. Uh, listen, I think, does it make sense? Anything could make sense. I think Jim, I think, I personally think if he were to go anywhere, he's going to go to the Raiders. There's a lot of little speculation going on that he's going to go there, but I don't see him coming back to this league because I know for a fact he's not going to work well with somebody else. Jim's going to want total control. And I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that that's what caused the riff last time was that Trent started butting his nose into our business. I mean, there were times where our GM was on the field trying to coach people, and it was like, this can't be real right now. Like, he's coaching the DBs on how to backpedal. <laughs> Dude, you're from Bemidji. Chill out. <laughs> These guys know what they're doing. But, like, he would come down and stick his nose in the business, and Jim would be like, Dude, go away. We got this. We can not only have we implemented a phenomenal system where the players are keeping track of each other, there are a few players that we need to keep track of at the time. We had Alden Smith. But you look back and it's like he had a great formula. And when guys messed up, Jim was quick to be like, hey, man, they got to go. And I see now what he was trying to do. Like at the time, I think we were like, man, this guy is just being super hard on people. But he wanted people that wanted to be there more than anything else in the world. Like if there was anything else on your mind that maybe you got in trouble or you did something that was not for the benefit of our football team, he was like, that guy's got to go. Because he's clearly not wanting to be here as much as everybody else. And I think sometimes you look at that and you're like, there's, that's a little bit like crazy way to say the guy had to go to a recital for his daughter. You know, like there are some things that come up you can't be a part of. But he's a phenomenal leader, dude. He gets you to like him because he's, he pokes fun of himself so much. And he's not afraid to like jab himself and make these funny comments. And you're like, dude, what? What did he just say? No way. Like, and you're like, he's so like blunt and outspoken. That like some people would come in and you would be like, did he just did he just say that around the thirty under thirty crew? What is going on right now? And he was like, yeah, totally. By the way, how how have the the Vikings need to be on hard knocks? Like, yeah. I mean, whoever hires Jim Harbaugh needs to be on hard knocks. But... No, you don't. No, no, you don't. You, you got, I'm <laughs> telling you guys, you would see a difference. Like, because because dude, everybody got mad at me when that when I called him a psycho because they think I thought I meant it in a bad way. But was this I on loved, hard knocks? No, it was like right after that whole thing went down, I was like, you know, the guy was a psycho. Oh. But he was. He was a psycho about football. He was like a dude's dude, the alpha of alphas, like the funniest guy in the room, but the quirkiest guy at the same time. Like you just you wanted to win for him. And I think that when you're around that atmosphere, it makes you want to grind even more because you see him grinding as hard as you are. And you're like, dude, I can't be outshined by my head coach. This guy's not even playing anymore. And he's watching more film than me. He's in the weight room more than me. And I know Jim doesn't look like he lives because he doesn't, but man, he runs those sprints. Like he'll, he's the kind of guy that when you're running sprints the first day of camp, if he thinks you're slacking, he'll just take off with you to see where your pace is, to see if you're messing with them. And you're like, what are you doing? He's like, I gotta make sure you're not cheating these reps. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. More. All right, so I, I, I did it. I tweeted you connected it the dots. I, I tweeted this. I said, so Albert Breer was the one that said, Hey, you know, Adolfo Mensa oh. and D'Amico Ryan's were together in San Francisco. I figured I'll just piggyback off his tweet. So I retweeted, and I said, Adolfo Mensa and Jim Harbaugh were also together in San Francisco. Two eyeball emojis, like like four eyes, four two, eyes. Two, two, two sets of eyeball four emojis. Balls. Okay. 
First response is from our guy, uh, is it Will Raggetts from um, yes, Sports S-I. Illustrated? Yep. And he points out that Vic Fangio was the defensive coordinator in San Francisco at that time as That's well. Right. How about a Jim Harbaugh, Vic Fangio? Yeah, I don't know. I, it you sounds like handle it. I'm telling you, right Kevin now, you O'Connell was the was with the Niners too in 2006. Had to find an offensive coordinator. Would it work though? Boom. You could not handle it. Of course, it would work. I'm well, telling there you, you go. Just get out of his way, because at times you're going to be like, dude, this is the most insane idea ever. But when it works, you're like, God, this guy is brilliant. <laughs> I know. Jackson in my vein. Collaboration though might might not be. The right word to describe Jim Harbaugh, so that no. might be the problem. Speed of collaboration. Look at all like the fun. product placement happening right now in Judd's corner of the screen. He's got a can of Surly, a mug with a Surly logo on it. Yep. Dude, by the way, you know what I saw on Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives the other day? What's that? Surly Furious Brewing Company. Nice. Oh, really? Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives? Dude, they keep- looked incredible. Okay. Oh, you got to join me there. I got to go. Brunch. Well, Sunday yeah. brunch. We're brunch. putting together a little something here for a few weeks from now. We'll keep you posted on it. We'll see if we can make some room for you. I don't uh, know. We'll, uh, by the way, we'll... that was my hint that we better be doing something with Surly Brewing <laughs> Company at the end of this. Yeah. yeah Judd, go ahead. Amazing spectacular. He can keep talking. Oh, dude. I'm just hey, saying. I saw that food, fun. and Guy Fury was like, yes. bro, this is out of this world. I was like, I cannot wait. I'm going to tell you right now, Boone. On Sunday, I paired I paired with the wife the Surly Brew Hall Sunday brunch open again with eh, let's just say a couple furious IPAs and it was the perfect combination. May I suggest it for you and the family? Because um yeah, th- their food is top notch and their beer, well, I don't even have to talk about their beer. It is so good. In fact, you know what? There's family no family friendly too. Serve serve some of that to the Absolutely uh, the kids is, or, but I mean don't there... do that. <laughs> There's no, there's no choice here. There's no choice. Your only choice. It, it's not like who's my GM now. I gotta talk to coaches. Uh uh-uh. uh There's only one beer, Surly, and in particular, I think it's Surly Furious. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Also, hey, a shout out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's like having a reliable set of Alex Boons protecting your business. It's like having a, an offensive line of competence protecting your business, maximizing the success of your business. Power. There's also resources like My Shield. Available at federatedinsurance.com to help with all your business's risk management needs. Federated Insurance, remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Uh, real quick football. here. Wait, wait. Let's get into football, dude. Let's get into it. What do you got? Nothing. Let's go. Oh. Oh. <laughs> wait, no. You're I'm like, where's the promo reads? <laughs> get so excited. I'm locked so in right excited. now. I know okay. you are. Go I'm a promo go read machine I'm sorry, right I'm now. That's right. Exciting day. Um, Sean Payton is stepping down today from the New Orleans Saints. Do you guys think he is burnt out and taking a year off? Is he going to work for Fox for like $20 million a year when Troy Aikman goes to Amazon? Is it Amazon? Which the Amazon? Okay. Or is he going to be the Dallas Cowboys next head coach? Judd. Sean Payton lives his life at a, such a reckless speed. I wouldn't be shocked if he takes a year off and does TV, but I could see that easily greasing the wheels then for the Cowboys job in 2023. Mm. That's my guess. Wonderful. I think he coaches the Cowboys eventually. Yeah. 
I want to know what's going on down there that a head coach just up and leaves. Like, I know that they're probably in the cap deep because they were like, what, 70 in last yeah. year at this time? Uh, they're six, I think they're 60 over the cap right now. Yeah, that's, that's why he's leaving. I, you can get me nobody, nothing, no quarterback. Like, there's the, this is not even a reckless speculation. This is just Sean looking up and going, we can't do this forever. This is what happens when you let money troll for years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you push yourself mm-hmm. out of a great coach. And he's like, listen, I can't be here because you physically can't get me anybody. And not only that, but we're probably going to lose half this team. And that's going to create such a mess. Like it's sad too, because he's a great coach. And I think he's one of the best offensive minds in the NFL right now, but he is going to leave. He's going to leave and go do TV because it'll pay more. And he can just say whatever he wants because he's one of the smartest guys in the world. So he's going to be able to pick people's offenses apart. And it's going to be so fun to watch. Yeah. This is great evidence. And the the Packers too. Yeah. The Packers are like $35 million on the cap. Like, the cap isn't fake. I know a lot of people say, well, the cap is fake, no, right? You not. can just it's do whatever not. you want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the you can manipulate it, but you, but the more you push down the road, the, then you come to the same crossroads that both the Saints and the Packers are at, which is, okay, so if we keep pushing forward, we're going to have to we're gonna have to cut six players, restructure right. six more contracts just to sign our draft picks? Like, right. Yeah. Look at, I mean, even you look at a lot of the teams, they're all cap strapped right now. It's like insane because, like, I was looking actually at the Packers because Aaron made that comment about I don't want to be around a rebuilding team. And I was like, why the hell would he say that? Like, this team is greased a roll. And then I go look on Sport Track and like five of their receivers are all free agents. And then you look at their like 40 million in the cap and you're like, yeah. dude, you're not going to be able to keep anybody on this team anymore. You're the problem is they're paying so many people a ridiculous amount of money. Like, you have, I think they have five guys on their team making twenty million this year, and it's like, dude, you can't continue to do that year in and year out. It's like the exact same thing that the Vikings are situated with right now. You cannot focus your all your money on one side of the ball or into one player. Like this is why some of the best teams year in and year out spread money out to everybody, or they find a quarterback and they're like, whatever we got to do to keep this guy, but we have to keep weapons around you. Hey, as uh, as one of the founding fathers of 49ers dominance over the Packers from like ten years yeah. ago, did you, did, does a part of you cackle when you see a game like that I on Saturday? <laughs> yeah, the dude, Niners I, just own the Packers. It was a massive score, and then we saw them the first round in the playoffs, and we smacked them again, dude. It makes me laugh every time I see them because they were yeah. they're such a dominant team, but when we played them, their defense was such a liability. Like they just couldn't handle those blow and blow after blow after blow, and it was it was fun because you get Aaron. Rodgers kind of running around for his life. You'd see guys like Ahmad Brooks chasing him down and just demol- – and that was back when you could hit the quarterback, so he got demolished. That Bills-Chiefs game, I mean – Incredible. It, yeah. In- Unbelie- unbelievable. I mean, four great games, right? They got better, and that game is one of the most incredible playoff games I think I've seen. Ever. I agree, 100%. And I wish the rule would have been changed. I wish they would that like – um, I'm trying to think of who the ref was. Was it was it uh was Tolbert, maybe? I wish he would have just been like, dude, listen, we're going <laughs> we're gonna give the Bills the ball. We gotta see what happens here, guys. We gotta make this fair. Like just the way that game ended, <laughs> I'm yeah. telling you, man. They're I wasn't high on Brian Dayball's system before, but when he finally got that thing firing on all cylinders, it was fun to watch because it just had playmakers at every position. If he's one of these guys, man, if you can give him a loaded roster, he'll make something work with it. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, Josh Allen is a phenomenal player. I mean, like, he is the next guy. Him, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, all these guys are to be feared. But you talk Cousins. You can kick his butt <laughs> right what? through the what? Don't disrespect Alex. my guy. Just no, no disrespect. punch up. 
Come on, man. Punch We're talking about over. under 25 guys that are killing it right oh, now. Sorry, you know, my you, bad. I mean, just the way that they did, I mean, that, that game was so fun. I was, I was really surprised whether they got the best of Leslie Frazier's defense the whole game. I mean, like, I was really surprised they caught him. Dude, like, think about, like, under 25. I mean, think about, and they're all in the AFC. But, I mean, Kyler's in the NFC, but the uh, AFC. Time out. I'm not putting Kyler anywhere near that conversation. That's fair. I'm not even. So, not even, so for you, it's it's Mahomes, Allen, Burrow has to be. I would think <laughs> Joe Burrow is my favorite player. I has think been Justin all year. Herbert's Herbert. in that group. Yes. Uh, he's knocking right. on the door if he's Dude, not. He in converted that group. like I'll eight fourth downs. Foot. I'll say he's got a foot in the all door because right. the kid's incredible. There's no question he's incredible. I just worry about his coaches. Yeah. Like they're they're reckless. I mean, they're really, really reckless at times where you're like, dude, that was dumb. I, if you were my coach, I'd throw my helmet at you. Like, go for it on fourth and 19. Are you serious? Like, Brody, let's let's move it along here. Burrow's got the perfect combination, though, of, of talent and intangibles from a personality standpoint of being cocky, yeah. but I don't think he's a jerk. No. Uh, but, I mean, he is wired exactly, I would guess, how how a teammate would want. And and if you protect him, I would. I'm guessing you love that guy. Like everything about him to me is is the intangibles that you try to find in quarterbacks. One hundred percent. I don't understand what the problem is with his O line right now. They they can't block for diddly. They are one of the worst <laughs> offensive lines I've ever seen. I think you that's why it. I'm so like, oh my gosh, because like. The fact that he gave up, what, 10 sacks last week? That kid, that poor kid, his head bounced off that ground so many times, and he just kept getting up and smiling and like, dude, I don't even worry about me. I'm good. I'm just, I think that's incredible. And to take that team as far as they did with the O-line that they have is phenomenal. And I think that if they actually get some pieces at O-line, that, that team is going to be wrecking with. Like, they have a great running back when they can cut him loose. The offensive line has just been doing a terrible job. Jamar Chase, frankly, he just ran around somebody last week. He literally ran a full circle around somebody in the 80 yards. Like, I was like, how do you defend that? That's like Tyreek Hill. Remember when he ran between the safeties against Buffalo and there was, like, nobody that could stop him? How do you defend that? Dude, like, dude. Tyreek Tyre Hill threw up the deuces on one of those big touchdowns at the end That's of the, the game. That's the one I'm talking about. And the and the safety was in front of him by five yards when he I threw know. up. I'm he about was, to go by you. See ya. You're not going to stop me. Like, you can't def- – those are undefendable players. Like, you just don't know what to do, and you're – I love it. And to, to talk about, like, the fact that Cincinnati is actually this far into the playoffs and people really are like, yeah, I guess they're really just that good. Like, they just play well as a team, too, which is fun to watch because the offense kind of plays off the defense who plays back on the off. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a back-and-forth game with them. It's like energy. They're young. Yeah. They don't listen to the media. They don't know that things are going bad when they are. They're just like, whatever, we'll figure it out. I think, too, it's like to tie this back in with, you know, the Vikings GM search here and Adolfo Menza. The hardest decision you have right now, and I, I I don't think it's a hard decision, but you know, organizations who are close to playoffs, they have a good quarterback like the Vikings have in Kirk Cousins, but he's not great. And he lacks some certain things. It takes guts to move on from that. Like it's one thing if you're two wins or three wins, and the only place to go is up. You know, you look at like I went over this with these guys early in the week, Alex. So the Buffalo Bills before Josh Allen were a nine-win playoff team. Tyrod Taylor was a Pro Bowler. Yep. He was top 10 in passer rating, top 10 in QBR. And they said, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a ceiling. It's a ceiling, and he's not terrible, and we won nine games, went to the playoffs, but we need to draft the next guy and maybe even take a step back. The Chiefs did kind of the same thing, right, where they had Alex Smith. Alex Smith led the NFL in passer rating, and they were winning 10, 11, 12 games, going to the playoffs, and they said, 
ah, we, ah, just there's a ceiling here. We, we you know we we got to move up 17 picks to take Pat Mahomes. And I am not saying that you can just find the next Pat Mahomes, but the Vikings never try. The Viking like they drafted Mond in the third round. The last time they drafted a quarterback was like seven or eight years ago in Teddy Bridgewater. But you know that's the decision that they have to face, which is. Do you continue to push forward with your good, not great? Or do you take a swing that might result in a whiff for the chance of being on the same level as those teams we are watching throw haymakers over the weekend? Dude, this quarterback got the last guy fired. I think it's time to move on. Okay, Don't let him get you fired, too, just because you fall into this good, not great situation. This league is not about good, not great. This league is all about taking chances, going crazy, throwing everything at the wall, and you have to win games. And if you don't, it will be your ass at the end of the day. That is plain and simple. That People that are like, you're, first of all, you're going to have to roll with Kurt. I don't see a scenario where somebody comes in and goes, you know what, we'll take him. We will take that. That'll. I just don't. I think. I think there will be, but but we have to see how the carousel plays the itself money, out over the next. It's two the months. money that follows, and that's the only problem. That is eventually when you start talking football and you have to bring in the money. It's like this. This conversation is so off centered right now. It shouldn't even be about this. But what what team is going to look at that and go? He hasn't really done anything yet. I'm going to continue to pay him one of the top five salaries at quarterback, guys. This is what got the Vikings into trouble. You're constantly talking about how to get out of trouble. This is the only way. And if I'm this new GM, my only thing is this. We're moving on after this. If we can't sell him this year, we're moving on. That's my goal. Mm-hmm. And I get it. I might be taking a huge whiff, but I'm certainly not going to go down the road that these last couple of guys have gone down because that gets you nowhere. And then if you want to be a trailblazer in this league, you have to go out. Number one, you have to have a clear vision. This is what we want to do. And that vision should always be centered around winning. And this just isn't a winning culture right now. And I can't make somebody a leader 13 years into the league. I need one that when I go up to him and I shake his hand, he looks at me, he smiles, and I am dazzled by him. And I am like, dude, spit it on me. Dude, Joe Burrow. Yep. That you is like dazzling. That. At times, you have to sell your soul to do it. We're going to have to trade capital. We're going to have to trade guys. We're going to have to move money around. And like, Let's stop being so short-sighted to think that the Wilfs don't know that either, that they're going to walk into the room, make this make this better for me out of nowhere. And by the way, you're under the cap. Like, you got to go in there in a serious conversation. Like, listen, we're going to do whatever we can this year, but after this, we're free and we're out. And we're hitting free agency hard. We're hitting the draft hard. We're going to go get as much capital as we can. We are going to do everything we can because you know what? I know that we're in a win-now mode, but we need to find some youth on this team. We need to find a spark. And where Kirk changed that, too, is – is this, I feel like through the time that you were here as well, that when Mike got here, he did a pretty effective job of building a culture and a type of player. Uh, Smith, you know, wired perfectly, right? And and I felt like uh, through 2017, that if there were shortcomings, it wasn't the culture and it wasn't the personalities. Like, like I felt that there were a lot of tough guys who would fight the, the good fight. Kirk sort of changed that. And and this is what people don't get is I, I think people think we all believe Kirk just sucks, which is not true. <laughs> Kirk, Kirk does not suck. But you know what Kirk's bad at? Kirk has no personality. Right. And, and Kirk is an instrumental player in a team sport where you need a person who can galvanize and lead. A lot of and, people laugh at that. And that's what, right. But oh, they don't, who cares? They don't, 4,000 yards. They but, play. They, but they don't get sports. Right. And, and look. I, I get sports because I've been around it, but Alex played this game and can tell you that if he doesn't have his QB's back, you're a bleep creek. It's over. 
And and I don't care if that, that guy, oh man, arm talent's off the charts. But if your GM couldn't read personalities, I mean, Christian Ponder. Christian Ponder is a perfect parallel in the sense of personality. Incredibly smart, book smart dude, right? He couldn't lead an ant. Right. Much I mean, less a football answer. Answer kind of scatterbrained. It's hard. Answer, I'm, I'll, I'm going to defend Christian Edwards here, wouldn't guys. listen to Christian Ponder. The, but but the point is, you've <laughs> got to get a person who can who understands the mentality that you need, and and that's why if Joe Burrow was all arm talent and and no personality, he wouldn't be the same. No. So. I agree with you. I, he is the spark for that team. I mean, he's the guy that makes things super loose. And we've said this on this show before. Some of the best quarterbacks I've played for made every day fun. They made every day a joke. They made it because they knew, dude, these guys are up front getting their faces beat in. Who am I going to come to them and say something stupid? Oh, my knee hurts. Your knee hurts? Dude, my face, I haven't felt it since the eighth grade. Like, what are you talking about? Your <laughs> knee hurts. I didn't even know I had a knee left. Like this, But you get the co- the quarterbacks that come up and they kind of razz you and they mess with you and you're kind of like, stop it. You know, it's kind of like a playful flirt. You're like, stop it. And they're like, you know, you be great big guy. You're like, you too, buddy. I'll see you later. You know, you just, yeah. you want that. And to Judd's point, I will say this. When I was there, the culture was the same. We had a lot of guys that were on the same war path. We were like, man, whatever it takes to a brick wall, under the concrete, like we'll do it all. When you bring a guy in that I think takes the ability for you to be honest in the room because you don't know how he's going to react, it messes with everybody. Because if I can't convey to you the truth and I have to keep dancing around it and keep trying to like find an even ground to be like, hey, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but this is what's going on. Or like if I have to change the way I am to talk to you, it throws everybody out of character, right? We all just want to be not judged, have fun, go out and smack people. And the minute somebody comes in and is like, guys, let's talk about books. You're like, let's not, <laughs> let's, let's not do that. Aaron Rodgers book club on Pat. Hey, you know Tuesday. what? Atlas shrugged. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That Pat McAbee. <laughs> thing. Cause you know what? I'm going to say this. Aaron Rodgers cost his own team that game, and he should be ashamed of who he has become. Because to talk about President Biden and his nonsense, whatever vaccine, the day of the, or the week of the 49ers game, you showed me how much you cared about that game. Not only that, but you showed me how honestly you were, how much you were paying attention to that team. Because there's been a lot of people right now, and a lot of my friends and former players are like, dude, that Niners team is to be reckoned with. They, they're another one, man. People are talking about Jimmy. What are they going to do? They're screwed. Jimmy's their guy. I'm sorry. You can say whatever you want. He is Kirk Cousins in San Francisco form, but somehow Kyle Shanahan was smart enough to be like, hey, listen, I'm the head coach. You're a reporter. You do your job, and I'll do mine. And when we win games, then then you can't come back here anymore. Like He was quick to be like, this is my team, and I'll do things my way, and we'll pay whoever we got to pay. Now, they're going to come to a head real quick because that Trey Lance trade to get him and bring him in and all that hype, and now you're paying Jimmy. It's going to be a lot. So what that if they team, win the Super Bowl with Jimmy? Dude, I'm telling you, he go. is the only guy right now that I would trust to run that offense because he knows it so well. And a small part of me sees what Rick saw. He wanted that for Kirk here. He wanted that. Dude, you're going to hand the ball off to one of the best running backs, and you just got to play action off of it. It's not hard. But the problem was too much of it came down to him, and then all of a sudden the chemistry wasn't right. Whenever you see Jimmy, that dude doesn't care. He laughs at everything. Everybody around him that I talked to was like, you don't understand how charming he is. 
He is just a great dude to be around. He's funny. He doesn't care about anything. And if he wants to make you laugh, dude, you're going to laugh all day. I'm like, dude, that's what people want on the O-line. That's what running backs want. We just want somebody that's going to make us laugh every once in a while and be like, hey, listen, when things go bad, I'll take the heat. When things go good, we'll all take it. We'll all take the credit. I don't need it. But at the end of the day, if we don't win games, it's going to be all our asses. When things go bad, I just work here. Don't blame me. Yep. Call timeout. I can do that? Can quarterbacks yeah, exactly. do <laughs> I don't even know how to make Garoppolo, a sign for a timeout. <laughs> his his line to Gould post game to Gould, f the Packers <laughs> is a galvanizing <laughs> line that number eight would it. not utter. You are an effing. Uh, he he told Gould this. He, he goes, you are you are a legend, and f the Packers. How about the also? How about in Cincinnati? I mean, there's just a type of like looseness and confidence that you see yep. in some of these teams that you do not see with the Vikings the last few years. The Vikings are very much teeth clinchers, and the Cincinnati game, right? That comes down to a game-winning field goal too. And apparently, the kicker, yeah. the kicker kicks like two or three warm-ups, and he uh, he does the old stretch on the sidelines and says to the backup quarterback, "Well, we're about to go to the AFC Championship <laughs> game." He's a rookie. Yeah, he's Dude. Daniel Carlson. I mean, his, come uh, on, man. His jerseys are sold out indefinitely. I just read that. Like, just <laughs> say to have the ball. Well, looks like we're about to go to the AFC. He Championship won the Vikings game in Week One. Dude, I'm telling you, man. It's it's the confidence that a team has. It can outweigh anything. And I've yeah. said that before. People don't believe me when I'm like, listen, when you get guys that start to feel themselves some type of way, they don't need the outside to tell them that they're good. They just know. They kind of laugh at the outside. We're like, guys, we, we know what we're doing. Go away. Leave us yeah. alone. And now they show up in the AFC Championship. Everyone's like, where did they come? Where the hell did these guys come from? Dude, they've been kicking ass all year, <laughs> and they are fun. To, except for that oh line My God, they're bad. Hey, uh, in a second, Declan's going to want someone's ass fired. But first, Judd's going to talk about how skinny he is. That's right. Uh, I've dropped 30-plus pounds, gentlemen, due to my, my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers, and now I want you to join me on a weight loss journey that's uh, going to give you the success it gave me. The Livia I Did It 8-Week Challenge. Get your first eight weeks for free. I lost 26 pounds in that time, so we're talking about you dropping about 26 pounds, and you have not paid yet. That is the deal, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A or Livia.com. Livia, L-I-V-E-A.com. Check them out. And as I said, first eight weeks are free. Imagine that. All right, Declan. Every week, Declan puts someone's ass on the hot seat. The floor is yours. You know, I, I was going back and forth on who I actually wanted wanted to can. Because I, I, I knew the team. I just was trying to find the scapegoat. And the person who was to blame the most for what, what transpired. Because you could go in a bunch of different areas. Um, but after watching... The debacle that happened with the Green Bay Packers. It'd be easy. It'd be easy to say, well, go and fire the idiot special teams coach who basically cost the Packers the game, only put 10 dudes on the field for the final play. Uh, It'd be easy to fire the special teams coach. I said, well, wait, 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 who hired him? Was it Matt LaFleur? Is Matt LaFleur at fault here? Because Matt LaFleur is the head coach. He's the one who's assembling their staff. And then, you know, I, I was still doing my vetting process, trying to see, well, whose ass, again, is reliable for hiring this buffoon? And it wasn't Matt LaFleur. It was Brian Gudenkis. So, Brian, get your ass down here. You have, you have cost the Packers an entire window 
but you've also set yourself up for failure by hiring one of the most incompetent special teams coaches that the NFL has ever seen. You hired a guy who has never coached special teams in the NFL before in Sean Menegma. You never hired him. Matt LaFleur wanted someone else two years ago, and the Packers lowballed him because the Packers are cheap because they have no GD money because it's locked up. So, Gudenkus, come on down. Your ass is fired. Congrats on wasting a Hall of Fame career and, and tons of Packer fans' money with those great season ticket holders and those owners aren't in Green Bay. So, Brian, your ass is fired. Goodbye. Fired. Wow. Goody. Wow. Goody. John Gutekunst's kid. Wow. You just former golfer coach. You just showed him the door. Amazing. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah, you, how about having – so they, literally the only way that San Francisco was going to score a touchdown in that game was if they blocked a punt and then housed it on the – like if they would have recovered at the three-yard line, I think they're still probably screwed. But they house it. <laughs> And then to have ten guys on defense for the uh, for the game winning field goal, not that I mean you're probably not going to block it anyways. But still embarrassed. that happens still more than you think, though. That really does happen a lot more than you think. The ten guys on defense. I mean, who really notices a field goal or like an extra point? Like nobody's yeah. paying attention. So, so if what what happens usually is like some guys well, so, banged up well, and a well, no, because like so say somebody like uh, a backup D lineman came in to do a couple pass rushes and they score. Well, he's like automatically thinking get off the field now when he's really on field. Or some guys aren't just paying attention, dude. You, you'd be surprised some of the things guys forget during game. It's funny. I mean, you're, it's three hours. Just pay attention, okay? It's you three know hours. you're out there. Three hours. It's your job. That's why you have those little – do you guys have in the NFL like those little uh, – like the 11-man uh, head counter little mats on the sidelines? No. Like they have in college, you know? No. like. No. Right, everyone's got to stand on a dot. No, so we know we have eleven, <laughs> dude. Come on. Maybe the, I'm saying maybe the Packers should consider that. <laughs> More than that, they they got a lot of problems. So, uh, all right, Vikings almost certainly have a new GM by the time uh, people consume this episode. We'll see if he can put together a plan to make the Vikings contenders again to win a Super Bowl before we die. And hire Jim Harbaugh. And hire Jim Harbaugh. I'm gonna text him right now. We'll find out. Yes. Okay. Break the story. Please do. All right. Mackie, Judd, Booney, Declan. We'll see you guys tomorrow on Purple Daily.